Welcome to The Kitchen Table, a conversation about faith, music, and culture. Join Shine.fm's ministry director, Brian McIntyre-Utter, and his son, Jake, around the table for this week's chat. So a very special edition of The Kitchen Table because this, as the drum beat happens on the table there from Jake, is our 100th episode. That's the trumpet. Is that the trumpet? That's good. That's nice. Yeah, sound effects. So this is the 100th episode. You know, when we we started this thing out, we really had one purpose in mind, and that is to encourage through this podcast parents to have conversations with their children about faith issues. That's discipleship. I still think that the number one ministry of someone who has kids should be to disciple their own children. Even mm. before any other ministry they have in the church or in an organization, should be to disciple their own children. Today, we're going to look a bit more at discipleship, leadership, developing young leaders. And we have a guest with us in the studio today that we're super excited to have. He actually is involved with his own podcast on the Shine.fm podcast channel called Leaning In Leadership. Dr. Carlos Lomberger is here. We're just going to call him Carlos because that's how we know him. Yep. So glad you're here, man. Thanks. And uh, we're excited that you're a part of this 100th episode. Me too. It's, a, it's an honor. Is, is Are the trumpets going to go off every time? Yep. Every, Anytime you say 100. 100th episode. 100th episode. 100th episode. Lovely. Look what I've created. <laughs> now, here's an interesting fact also is that Carlos is Jake's boss. He is. It's true. Because Carlos, one of the many things that he does with all the hats that he wears, he is like in charge of the bands that go out and represent the university. And I am in one of the bands. And you've been in many of the bands over that the is last true. few years. All of the bands at some yeah, point, Yeah, next right? year I will be in all of the bands. <laughs> So let's dive into developing young leaders. You get to do this on a regular basis. Yeah. I get to do this as well because we're, we're professors and that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more than just teaching a class. It is truly investing your life into young leaders. To you, what is the key? What is the main important ingredient for someone who is investing their life into developing a young leader? That can be their own children as well. Absolutely. So, I mean, I have four sons. Mm-hmm. Uh, the oldest is a junior in high school school and, and uh, down from there. And I think what you said, Brian, on the front end of being first and foremost focused on their discipleship as a parent is one of the primary roles that we have mm-hmm. as parents. And I think this concept right here, sitting around the table mm-hmm. is often lost in yeah. that we make it a priority in our family to sit down at least several times a week and have dinner together mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. night. We don't get it every night because <laughs> schedules, right? Sports, last, those kinds of things. Exactly. Every time last night I didn't get my wife and I didn't get home from work until after 11 o'clock, mm-hmm. one of those crazy nights, you know, but when we get those opportunities, we make it a point to sit around the table, look at each other in the eye and have some conversations about what was your day like? Let me hear you speak. And one of the things we do is we go around the table and say, I'll I'll say to the, my son on my left, who is usually my youngest, because he always sits there, Christian, how was your day? And what was your God thing today? And Mm -hmm. that's one of the conversations that we have around the dinner table. He says his thing, everybody listens. He's he's the focal point, right? Mm -hmm. He has a voice at this table. And then at the end of it, he turns turns to his brother and says, Caden, how was your day? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, what was your God thing? And we go all the way around the table for that. And I think sometimes just the willingness to 
talk through those things, especially with your kids, because sometimes we assume them. Sometimes we can easily go into autopilot or cruise control and focus on all of the other things that we have to get to and come back from and make happen and get homework done and get to practice and all of those kinds of things. Instead of taking the time to sit down and and have some of these crucial conversations for sure. If you look at all the material out there on how to develop young leaders, they'll say certain things like you have to teach them confidence. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's a part of it? Yeah, I think it is in a lot of ways because there's so many times that we ask them to do things that they're not ready for yet, right? Because they haven't developed the skills. So I think when we're talking about how we invest ourselves into a young leader, we have to look for in them potential that they may not have even realized they have yet. So one of the most pivotal and influential conversations I ever had in my life was with a former senior pastor that I worked for. And he talked to me specifically and directly about how he saw more leadership in me than he did in himself. Mm -hmm. And that I would go beyond what he has even done. Mm -hmm. And he was such an incredible leader that I thought, oh my goodness, if I If I go beyond what I see him doing, the possibilities are endless, right? To see in them potential, Mm -hmm. to see in them possibility that they haven't even recognized yet themselves is the biggest trick to investing in and developing young leaders. And then once you see those skills that are possible, that could be developed, those young leaders, those young adults, those high schoolers, junior hires, grade schoolers in your own home have got to be given an environment in which they can try things out and figure out, man, I, I'm good at this, but maybe not that, and let some confidence develop through experience mm-hmm. in those particular areas of strong potential. Okay. Some other things that they might toss out there is is you have to be an example. You've talked mm-hmm. about building confidence, of course. Everyone does that. Everyone speaks confidence into people. I have to do that, especially to my students. I mean, I'm teaching my students how to go on the radio and they've never been on before. Trust me, they have no confidence. And so I tell them this is a confidence game. You have to be confident in yourself. But be in that example for them. You talked about this leader that spoke that into you, but that leader was also an example for you, challenging them to make the world a better place. This can be outside of, these are things that, any leadership development can say. I'm not just talking about faith development here. Make the world a better place. Be confident. These these are just general things. Explaining to them that failure isn't a bad thing. Right. What happens when there's failure? We're speaking to parents right here. How do we help our children overcome in their leadership development when they fail? Because they will. Right. We've built them up in confidence, but guess what? Like you mentioned before, they don't have the ability to do everything. Right. And even though we say, oh, you can you can do anything you put your mind to, <laughs> guess what? There's going to be failure. It's going to come at some point in your life. Yeah. Probably multiple times over, but you keep trying. Right. It's really kind of interesting. I've coached my sons in baseball for years mm-hmm. and years and years. I know you guys are Cubs fans. We are. Yes, we you, are. you hold my heart dearly, <laughs> right? We are brothers in Cubs right there for sure. <laughs> but if you really know the game of baseball, you know it is a game of failure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? First and foremost, if you get a hit three out of 10 times, you're an all-star. Yeah. Right. Three out of 10, 30% success rate. Mm -hmm. And so one of the neat things about coaching my own sons in baseball is helping to coach them through the concept of failure, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you are not going to strike out 
that hitter every time you're pitching. Right. You are not going to hit a home run every time you're at bat. And you are not going to win every game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So how do you deal with that? How do you deal with the emotions, the anger of I let my team down or that guy? It was his fault this time. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we coach them through those experiences and seeing that there is a bigger picture at work. Another one is you mentioned the bands that we work with and Mm -hmm. and my buddy Jake here and uh what it's been three and a half years. Yeah. Or will be you're going into your fourth year or something like that. Yeah, I'll be going into my fourth. Yeah. This guy has grown Mm -hmm. exponentially since the first time I messaged him and said, hey, do you want to be a sound guy in a band, right? And now he's a phenomenal drummer. He has been going, like, going to be a drummer now for the third year after the first year of being a sound guy. When you walk off of a stage sometimes after you have led worship or you felt like you rocked a song out or maybe it was a train wreck, mm-hmm. right? Like maybe it didn't happen. There is huge learning potential in putting your arm around someone and saying, you know what? I know that wasn't the best. Let's not say, oh no, it was fine. You're not doing anybody any favors by glossing over it and sugarcoating it. Yeah. I know it wasn't your best. Do you know why? What did you see? Here's what I saw. And then the support comes in. Mm. Well, you know what? We could work with this technique a little bit more. And I think if you do this, you're going to improve here, here, and here, and here. So the first year Jake was going to be a drummer. He auditioned, he made it, and I was so excited for him because I knew he wanted to be a drummer. And I went to him at the end of the audition process, and we have a couple of months before they start really traveling. Mm -hmm. And I said, Jake, here's a couple of things. Do this, work on this, and I think your drumming will explode. He came back ready for our training time, our training weeks, right, as a phonominally improved drummer, just because I'll take all the credit for it, <laughs> but I gave him a few tips, and, and the man went to work on it, and yep. he came back better, and then from that point on, and all of the experiences that he's had, and I'm sure some have been better than others, but we have we have walked this together In a lot of ways, me and our team, I have an incredible associate director who works directly with these students. We walk alongside them, and when failure happens, it's not a beat down. It's an arm around the shoulder and says, hey, yeah, that wasn't the best. I get it. I get what you're feeling, but here's how we can learn from it and take the next step forward. Mm. So a part of the development of young leaders, and even us as parents, is we have to give them room where they will make mistakes yeah, and not swoop in and try to fix the situation. Right. We have to let them make their own decisions, and sometimes those decisions lead to mistakes. Yep. And that's just a part of the process of developing young leaders. Yeah, and that hurts, right? As a parent. As a parent, absolutely, yeah, it hurts. It hurts to watch someone you love so dearly go towards a decision that may be even something opposite of what you advise them to do. Mm-hmm. And... You go, "Ah, this isn't going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Oh, that didn't work. And still not give up on that kid, Mm -hmm. right? A parent's not going to give up on a child for sure, hopefully. But even when you see it coming, you see the cliff as a parent still holding their hand and being there with them through it and helping them take the next step forward Mm -hmm. and correct step, correct course. 
as a part of leadership development and even discipling our own kids, helping them to recognize their strengths, what their strengths mm-hmm. are, and then also helping them to discover their spiritual gifts. Because there's a couple different, that's two different things. And as a parent, we can help guide our children through that kind of a situation. Yeah. I mean, do you do, you do that with your own boys? Absolutely. So first of all, I just say my wife is phenomenal. I know this because I married her, um, <laughs> but my wife, her background is in psychology and, mm-hmm. and social work fields. And we have legitimately and honestly put our entire family through different personality assessment tools and, oh, really? and things like that. <laughs> and it's interesting now to hear my sons talk about, well, I'm a sanguine. I'm a choleric, and that's just one of the many tools you could choose from, mm-hmm. for sure. Strength finders, Myers-Briggs, you name it, they're all out there. But it was interesting to hear how giving our own kids that assessment helped them in their understanding of themselves, but then mm-hmm. also as a family gave us kind of a, a shared language to talk to each other about my sanguine, my my need for attention is <laughs> is coming out in this moment, and mm-hmm. and you're stepping on my air hose because. So it was really neat to hear them have some of those conversations. But then my wife does this other really amazing daily tool. We have a whiteboard, and she'll write different quotes and different scripture verses, as well as chores for the day. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It was really neat. A couple of days ago, she she wrote on there, "What do you see as your grace gifts?" And then we often, in our little family group chat, text us your answer. Mm-hmm. And helping first them to look at what God has gifted them with. And then it's also telling to see what they say about themselves. You can identify these gifts and spiritual gifts specifically within your own children simply by being attentive and watching mm-hmm. how they interact with their siblings, people at church, adults, people at school, teachers, all of those kinds of things. And acknowledge it, even Mm -hmm. in the concept of and tied to what they see in themselves. One of them was my oldest son. He says, I'm a creative problem solver. That's (laughs) my, I really feel like that's a gift from God. And, And I go, Absolutely. Because the other day when my windshield wiper was frozen to my windshield Mm -hmm. and I pulled it off too hard and pulled it off too fast and the whole blade came off Mm -hmm. and I couldn't get it back together, I asked my oldest son (laughs) and he had it fixed within 30 seconds. Well, it's interesting because I don't know many parents who have done that, taken those strength finders tests, and there's all kinds of them out there, with their children. Because I'm assuming with four boys, they're different, aren't they? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it, it's, it's so funny. You think to yourself, okay, wait a second. These four human beings are all the same gender. They come from the same gene pool uh-huh. and they have been parented by the same two people their entire lives. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. They are some of the most incredibly dynamic and different people that you will ever meet. So my oldest is, he wants to be an engineer. He wants to be an aerospace engineer specifically. Um. And the things that that guy can do and think of and fix just doesn't register with me personally. <laughs> I cannot do it. He looks at something, he wants to take it apart, see how it works, yeah. put it back together. My second is much more relational with people. He is someone who just finds joy in being with 
his friends, being with groups of people. He doesn't meet a stranger. Like he's talking, he wants even to entertain folks in that way. Mm -hmm. My third is someone who is amazingly brilliant. The other day he came down and he said, dad, can you download this language learning app on my phone? Because I want to learn Latin. And the other day he he decided I'm going to learn as many digits as I can of pi and then he'll just recite and I'm like 3.14 that's all I got for you you know and then my fourth is almost that stereotypical youngest right mm-hmm. he is the entertainer the look at me he is the life of the party he is the loudest he you know he's got to have the biggest voice because he's the youngest the smallest and Mm -hmm. he's going to be heard and you are not going to miss him and he is the first one to jump up in front of a crowd and speak whereas all of the others are like oh maybe not me stage fright he's also almost identical to carlos really we We, call him carlos jr (laughs) we do call him mini me so In this conversation, in the context of helping our children in their discipleship and leadership development is probably one of the biggest challenges that parents will likely face, Mm -hmm. understanding the differences between the strengths and weaknesses of each of your children is incredibly challenging. Every parent is going to know my daughter is completely different than my son and my oldest than my youngest and so on and so forth, but helping them find who they are and identify what God has gifted them to do and to be is really the approach that we can take best as parents. I heard someone say years ago, and it was a leadership guru, that the most important thing you can say to your child is three simple words. And it's not, I love you. Mm -hmm. It's figure it out. Right. I think part of the process of developing young leaders in discipling is giving them responsibility. Mm -hmm. You're not able to learn responsibility until you're actually being given responsibility. Yeah. It's funny. Again, my wife comes up with some of the most interesting ways of handling some even conflict between our sons. If our boys come to us, if one of them comes to us and says, he did this, he's yelling, he's fighting, he's, you know, he took my this, all that kind of stuff. Our answer is not typically, okay, so what happened? Who's it? You know, it's, do you want me to get involved or do you want to figure it out? Because mm-hmm. if I get involved, you're going to pay for it. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 you know, it's a dollar. But do you want to give up a dollar for us to help you figure this out? Or are you going to sit down, the two of you, and figure out together what it is that's going on here? Giving them the opportunity to try something out on their own, it's huge for their development in that way. Come towards the end of this, talking about, because I think there could be some confusion about the difference between leadership and discipleship. And Mm -hmm. we've heard the criticism that a lot of faith leaders focus on leadership development and not enough focusing on discipleship. Eugene Peterson said that discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. Mm. I love that. That's good. Because discipleship is ongoing. It is never ending. I think that discipleship and leadership come alongside of each other. The question asked, is there a difference between discipleship and leadership? And I heard the response that said, one simple distinction is that discipleship focuses on following and leadership focuses on influencing. Mm. It's really simplistic, but because a leader, the best leaders follow Jesus, they're sort of tied together, but yet they're Mm -hmm. not. A disciple does shift their behavior when they lead and intentionally influence others. And so there is 
a distinction between the two. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Because you disciple a believer and you mentor a leader, Mm -hmm. right? You disciple a believer and you mentor a leader. So when you're discipling a believer, you are walking along a faith journey with them to help them grow deeper in their understanding and experience and knowledge of the work of God in their life. That's a foundational concept to any believer, Mm -hmm. whether it's your own child or someone in church in your small group, wherever it may be, you are discipling a believer, but you mentor a leader. There is truthfully, but part of the reason why it gets confused so much discipling and mentoring is there's a lot of overlap there in are. the concepts mm-hmm. of how that works. Yeah. Because a disciple is also going to walk alongside of a believer and show them their faith journey, their mm-hmm. growth, walk through those type of situations as well and help that person, that disciple grow in their understanding in that way. When you're mentoring a leader, There is a point in which where you have to flip to stepping back in that process. For me, when I'm focusing on on mentoring a leader, the process that I always take with it is come with me and watch me do it. Then Mm -hmm. we talk about it. Then come with me and let's do it together. And then we talk about it. Then I'm going to come with you and watch you do it. Mm -hmm. And then we'll talk about it. And then you're going to do it. And then we talk about it. Right? It's always good to talk about it. Yes. Right. We always <laughs> review it. We always evaluate it. So the, that concept of kind of stepping back in a role of mentoring a leader mm-hmm. is not necessarily a part of discipling a believer. That we are staying with that disciple the whole way. And yes, there are all sorts of times where you push that disciple to more than what they have done in the past, Mm -hmm. of course, but you're still there with them through that. Whereas when you're trying to develop a leader, at some point, you got to send that leader on their merry way to all that God is leading them towards and what they will do far beyond your reach in their own Mm. leadership. So you disciple a believer, you mentor a leader. And it's interesting because I see this like dual track when it comes to parenting. Mm -hmm. They have this discipleship track. And I honestly believe as a parent, you'll never stop discipling your children, no matter how old they are. Right. But as a parent, you're parenting a child. And just like a leader is mentoring another leader, there comes a point when that person has to do it on their own. It's the same thing in parenting. I mean, we raise our kids, but there becomes a point. They've got to do this on their own. And so that then breaks off. As a parent, we're developing leaders. We many times don't know that, but we really are while discipling them at the same time. The leadership of my third son versus my second son Mm -hmm. is going to be very different. Absolutely. The context in which my third son leads may be from more of the background and and the logistics and the systems, Mm -hmm. whereas my second son may be the the front guy, you know, the face Mm -hmm. of the organization type person. So helping them see where those leadership potentials are within them is huge, but understanding that that's different than their own growth as a believer in their discipleship, that's a whole nother concept that we walk along with them throughout life. Great stuff today. Again, just to point you to Carlos's podcast, it's called Leaning in Leadership. It's primarily focused towards ministerial leadership or leadership within the church, but there's a lot of great stuff you can pull from it. You can find that on the shine.fm podcast channel. Thank you for being with us today. My pleasure. We're celebrating the 100th episode. Yeah. Said 100. You didn't do Waiting a trumpet. Oh, Thank you. Yeah. 100. Bye. Ta-da.
So we do appreciate you being here and uh, all the insight. That wraps up the faith conversation today. Now moving into Music Matters. And now moving into Music Matters. Music Matters is a segment where we just talk about music. We love to talk about the the generational differences of music. And so Dad brings a new song. I kind of bring more of a song of the week. And then we go back into the vault, as Dad likes to say, and get an oldie but goldie. That's right. So what's your song? Song this week, man, he's one of my favorites. Ryan Stevenson. He's basically a Toby Mac protege. Super (laughs) nice guy. One of the nicest guys. If you have a chance to see him in concert and uh, talk with him, just one of the really, really good guys that's out there. That's awesome. And very comparable to Toby when it comes to talent level, writing level. And so he has got a new song out, and it's more of a story type song. It's actually a couple different stories around the premise of when we fall apart, when the things of life overwhelm us, a a major life-faltering illness or death of a loved one. It's a song that dives into that realm, so to speak, and and it's really a powerful, powerful song lyrically. Here is Ryan Stevenson, When We Fall Apart. It's okay to cry. It's okay to fall apart. You don't have to try to be strong when you It's a really good song. Powerful song. Yeah. Well, my song for the week, one of my favorite bands Mm -hmm. currently uh, is Colony House. Yes. Uh, For those that don't know Colony House. Stephen Curtis Chapman children. Yes. Uh, His sons. His sons, yes. They just released a live album. Okay. And so it's just a bunch of their old songs that are just now live. And Mm -hmm. a lot of bands are doing that now because they've like recorded the tours that they've been on. They can't really create new stuff. And so they're just releasing a bunch of their live albums. So they just released theirs. And one of my favorite songs is on it, El Capitan. Uh, it's a really just kind of, it's it's a it's Is it a in good, English? Yes, it is. Okay. Cause yeah, it's just, it, <laughs> El Capitan is the like mountain yeah. that that dude like free soloed or whatever in the documentary. And that's just what it's based off of. Gotcha. Okay. But um, it's just a fun, upbeat song. It, I like to call it my like summer hit because it's just that kind of song. So here's El Capitan, the live version by Colin People watching the TV, saw a man clearly out of his mind. Looking for meaning, justify his fragile life. It's kind of great that, you know, they're not able to tour, so you can't have that live experience, yeah. but they're, they've captured these live experiences. Well, they, they had a drive-in show in Nashville, or uh, where, where do they live? They live in Tennessee somewhere. I can't remember where. Franklin, probably. Yeah, Franklin. They oh. live in Franklin, so they just had a drive-through. And there are some that are doing li- drive-through, drive-in. Yeah, drive-in. Concerts. Sorry. And uh, in fact, I think there's, there's some more coming up once the weather I gets nicer, so, yeah. which will be good. All right, so it's time now to go back and open the vault for our oldie but goldie. That was me opening the... Thank you for that sound effect. You're welcome. Okay, our oldie but goldie. Um, This one, man, this is kind of... I don't know if it's an... I was surprised. I thought it would be considered more of an obscure song, but when I was looking back at the charts... Uh, going back to 1991, this That's was the, the year s- you were married. It was. This is the number two song that year. Really? And I did not know that. And it's actually a duet. So uh, you have a female voice, male voice. The female voice is Michelle Wagner. Name sounds familiar. She did a lot of stuff about that time, but I, I have no idea where she is today. I'm going to yeah. have to do some research on that. But then Bob Carlyle, who is 
phenomenal vocalist, one of the best male vocalists, I think, of all time in Christian music. He was in the, the rock band The Allies, and then, of course, mm-hmm. went solo, had several solo records. His big song, Butterfly Kisses, which crossed over into mainstream, Ooh, sold millions and millions of kisses. copies. And every little girl dances with their dad at Daddy Daughter Dances to that song. Will you, will you dance with me, Dad? No, I won't. Dang it. So, nonetheless, this is the number two song from 1991, and I thought, man, I, I got to play this because, I, I, one, I don't remember this song, and two, I kind of think it's obscure, yet still it was the second most popular song of the entire year. So here is Michelle Wagner with Bob Carlyle. It's a song called Jesus Answers. Whisper again to my heart what I believe from the start. I haven't heard that, but I know that both of those vocalists. Yeah, you know, a but nice yeah. a nice song. Definitely dated from that time period uh, with production and everything, but but again, uh, just great vocals on that one. That's probably why it was the second most popular song in 1991. So that uh, wraps up Music Matters. Time now to move into Culture Shock. So Culture Shock is basically a segment where we find someone who is using their platform, whatever that is, to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Shock in the culture. Shock in the culture, exactly. And so time to time, we will have like an actor or an actress. We'll have maybe like a broadcaster or a professional athlete, or as we like to call it, the average. Joe Schmo. Joe Schmo. Uh, Today, we have an athlete. So every year... Every year, and I I love following this award because I was a huge fan that this player is named after. It's the NFL Man of the Year Award. Mm. It's named after, of course, uh, the late, great Walter Payton, running back for the Chicago Bears. He's not... Is he dead? Oh, yeah. He I passed away he from cancer many, many years ago. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, it is. And so his 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 widow and uh, their children present this award every year. And they give this award out before the the Super Bowl pregame show uh, this past Sunday. They yeah. did, of course, as you're hearing this, uh, if it's brand new to you. They recognize NFL players for both their excellence on the field and off the field, especially in the areas of service and just giving to others. Hmm. So each team in the NFL will nominate one player, and then from there they choose the NFL Man of the Year Award recipient. And so this year it was Seattle quarterback Russell Wilson. Nice. And it was kind of cool during the pregame show before the Super Bowl on Sunday, he pointed the television audience to Scripture And he told them basically this theme, love changes things. Now, he's a Super Bowl champion himself. He's been elected uh, seven times to the Pro Bowl. He is recognized, of course, as the uh, NFL Man of the Year this year because of everything he does throughout the Seattle community. Well, shortly after he was drafted in 2012, he began to regularly visit the Seattle Children's Hospital. In 2014, he and his wife, Clara, founded the Why Not You Foundation, which is a non-for-profit benefiting youth fighting poverty and also promoting education. During the pandemic uh, last year, they actually donated one million meals to Feeding America and Food Lifeline. Wow. They've partnered with an aviation company called Wheels Up to launch Meals Up campaign, and that raised enough funds to fund an additional 50 million meals. 
So during his speech there at that pregame show during the Super Bowl, he thanked, of course, the NFL. He thanked the Seahawks. He thanked his fans and his family. But he also thanked his father. His father died in 2010, Mm -hmm. and that was really the focus of Russell Wilson's speech. This is what he said. He said, Dad, I can remember you telling me in the car one day, son, love changes things. He says, Dad, you were right. And he thanked his mom for showing him how to love. And he said, Dad, I know you're smiling up there somewhere with Walter. So to the Peyton family, thank you for carrying on Walter's legacy. And then he went on to quote 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. And this is what he said, to America, so addressing the country, to the world, he says, love is patient, love is kind, love changes things. The great Walter Payton once said, we are stronger together than we are alone. He said, Dad, I think Walter was right. To the young boy or girl who has a dream, who wants to make a difference, remember this one thing. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always persevere. Love changes things. Think about this. He's an NFL player. He's got a platform. He just used an opportunity on a huge platform. The Super Bowl is probably the most watched sporting event every year in the United States and in many countries yeah. of the world. And he used that platform to communicate 1 Corinthians chapter 13 all about love. Ironically, of course, the day this podcast is launching and airing on Shine.fm, it's Valentine's Day. So I thought it was fitting that we share this. This is what Culture Shock is all about. And maybe you don't have a platform like that of a pregame of a Super Bowl to make a difference for Christ in the culture. Yeah, Take the platform you have. Make mm. a difference. Be one of those people. Maybe someday you can be a part of Culture Shock. So this wraps up episode 100 of The Kitchen Table. We thank you so much for uh, being with us today and helping us celebrate this milestone, celebrating these conversations. Thank you, Dr. Carlos Lonberger, who shared with us about developing young leaders and the difference between discipleship and leadership and how it's different, but really tied to the same. And so we just want to celebrate that. Again, encourage you as we, again, just renew our focus on why we started this in the first place on this 100th episode is to encourage you to have those conversations with your children. You are vital to their lives. Speak life into them, disciple them, teach them leadership and make a difference. So thanks for being with us this week. We'll talk to you soon. And stay salty and lit. Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table on the Shine.fm podcast network from Olivet Nazarene University. Be sure to subscribe for more content delivered each week on faith, music, and culture.